you are about to encounter the teaching ministry of Bishop Andy Juma. Bishop Andy Juma is the pastor of the Precious Souls Church, a denomination under the United Denominations originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, founded by Bishop Dag Hewitt Moore. Bishop Andy Juma oversees the denomination which has churches in Swaziland and Namibia. The Precious Souls Church is full of zealously affected souls who love and desire to work for the Lord. This anointed message will bring hope, encouragement, and healing to your life. Be transformed as you listen to this message. Our rock, our salvation, our redeemer, our redeemer. You are welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome. Just welcome the presence of the Lord as our. Just welcome the presence of Jesus through his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. That word too. All three are gathered together in your name. Your word says you are with them. Therefore, Jesus, we welcome your sweet presence. Your sweet presence today. We bless you, Father. Hallelujah. Spirit of God, you're welcome. Have your own way today. Reveal yourself to us through your words us your way cause us to be ushered into the presence of truth your truth that sets us free open our ears that we may hear from above oh god i pray that our eyes shall behold wondrous things out of thy law today and above all i ask for the rain of the spirit to fall upon us let your rain lord bring healing and strength and deliverance and peace into our lives. We thank you. Your word says at the mention of the name Jesus, every knee shall bow of things on earth, or in the evil of things under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, Lord, we pray that as we encounter you today, let things bow in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed. And let everyone say amen. Please, you may be seated and put your hands together for the Lord. I want you to welcome at least two people into the service and tell them something nice. I said two people and tell them something nice. If you have been in the weekday service, I've been teaching you how to rally people around you. One of them is to appreciate people. Hallelujah. It's good to see you all today. Powerful. First Thessalonians chapter 5. And we are going to read verse 27. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 27. First Thessalonians. You know where to find it. Okay. What does it say? Paul speaking, he says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read 
unto all the holy brethren. Amen. Okay, let's all read it together. Let's all read it. One, two, three, let's go. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Some of you are not saying it. So we are going to read it again. This, this time, shout it out loud. Disturb everybody except yourself. One, two, three, let's go. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 27. I charge thee. So be read unto all the holy brethren. One more time. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Itumba, have you found it? I'll wait for you. Don't worry. I'll wait for you. Just find it. Mm. It's our church. So we are taking our time. Are you there now? Good. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 27. Let's read it for the last time. Let's go. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 27. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Say, I'm a holy brother or a holy sister. Now, what is Paul saying here? Paul, as he was ending the book of Thessalonians, he tells them, I charge you. Some versions is, I adjure you. The word adjure is a legal word, which is like, you don't have an option. I'm, I'm commanding you, I charge you, that this epistle, which, which epistle is that? The letter he had written, the book of Thessalonians, said, I'm charging you that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. So the only person who is not allowed to hear it is somebody who is unholy. But I think we are all holy. Amen. We are holy brothers and sisters. You are saying that, let it be read to the church. Hallelujah. Now we are starting uh, our feeding 5 to 7. 5 to 7 means 5 from chapter 5. 2-7, from verse 27 of First Thessalonians. And what we are also saying is that we want an epistle, it's a letter. And I believe that our father, the prophet, writes to us through his books. Amen. This is a letter. This, this, this is an epistle written to us. All the books that prophet writes is for us as children, but it looks like we are so familiar that we don't really value it. The outsiders rather crave for it and come for it and use it. So one of the things we do once or twice in a year that we pick one of our letters written to us and then we read it and we teach it and we try as much as possible to glean the revelations and the lessons from the letters. One thing I know, even besides that it's a policy in the church, is that people like you and I, we don't read. It's true. What was the last time you read a book? You don't even remember. Even to read newspapers, the only thing we like is funny videos, comedy. Yeah, 
you find us. But the discipline of reading. Now, one day I traveled. The first time I went to UK, I was in a train and I think I boarded the wrong coach. You know, they have various classes. But I sat somewhere, you know, and I was sure probably in that coach there were about 20 of us. And I was the only black man. Look, I was shocked. Everybody in the train was reading something. Then I thought about where I'm coming from. When you sit in the bus, they are calling, Fat K, give me two. Oshi, Oshi, what? Oshi Kanta, Give me the water. We are interested in eating. <laughs> we buy food for the road. We call it for the road. But these guys, nothing like that. When we sit in a bus going to the five places, villages and whatever, nobody carries a book. We carry food. And after eating, we start chatting. We talk, 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 talk to the village. If we feel tired, we just sleep. <laughs> and start snoring. But the people in the advanced world, I realized that no, they, they, they are really into reading. The entire journey. So I remember at a time, I was on a coach and there was this guy from Nigeria and he was talking on the phone, shouting. And the white woman got up and said, you can't be shouting on the, on the, on the coach. It's like, we are reading here. Because where we come, it's like, we just talking here. Just be your voice, start calling your brother. Hey, where are you there now? And the woman got up and said, no, you can't be talking like that. So I'm trying to explain to us that naturally we don't enjoy reading. But at least in the church, we have been encouraged to read. So I beg you, as we go through this four to five weeks, you'll be getting your book. Don't only bring it to church. That's mm, like a second Bible. But in the week, I want you to read it. Read it. You're not reading for me. You're reading for your own self. Hallelujah. So these books, if they are... Well, this year, our 55 to 7 book is Lord, I know you need somebody. And on Wednesday, I'll say that it's not somebody, it is you. That somebody is you. So it's like, Lord, I know you need me. Asa. So the title of the book is Lord, I know you need me. You need somebody. You can actually put your name there. Hallelujah. So a copy of the book is a hundred dollars. You need to have one. And I need to bring it you I want I need you to bring it every Sunday because I'm going to practically teach from this. All the verses, example, everything will be here. In fact, you need your Bible because you are coming to church and anything can happen. But otherwise, in terms of the preaching, I'll preach directly. I'm going to read the epistles directly to you. Now there are two ways to get in a book. You can get a single book. Singles like this. Or in the Macarius 51 to 100 is, is maybe one of the books. I don't know the number, but it's a book number something. You can also pick it up. And so if you have Macarius 51 to 100, please, you don't need to get another one because it's the same thing. Do you, do you understand? But if you don't have one, then you need to have your own copy. Are you understanding me? Good. So... Um, you know, I've been, I've been warned 
not to give the books out on credit. Because there is no credit in the church again. Because of our own poor behavior. So I was trying to be a Christian, but I've been warned that I shouldn't give the books out on credit because they can become a real. These books, we received them from South Africa at 100 rand, which is $100. So if I give it to you and you don't bring it back or you don't bring the money back, I don't know where I'm going to get the money to pay. Stevie, will you pay for everybody in case they don't come? (laughs) Stevie says no. So, uh, I need some books here. Okay, you have some books here, yes. Why do I have to bring this one? Okay, Hillman. All right. So, I'll start with the pastors. Where are the pastors? Oh, but you have one. I know you have one. So, who are the other pastors here? There are no pastors. Okay, frontliners. If you are in front, you must have your book. So I'm starting with Lady V herself. You have a book, Macarius 51. So which option are you taking? You you prefer one? Okay, you have to buy one for your dear husband. Okay, the two shall be one. Okay. okay. But you need one in your office when you are out there, and then you also have one there. Asa, where is your copy? This man is from Ochibarungu. I don't know him, so I can't go and look for him. But I think he has to carry some to his church. Five. Okay, you can see. Now, if I give you the book, you have to pay to Hilma after church. Okay. And any other person who needs one? So, like I said, if you have Makarosi, if you want to. Hundred, you don't need one. But if you don't have, then you have, you have to get one. So who is getting this one? Everybody can get one anyway. So well, don't clear the money now after church. Now I want to preach, but you must get the books. Okay, then next week you come in or Tuesday or Wednesday. All right, Hilma, thank you. Lord, I know you need somebody. We can roll. And the key scripture here is Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. What does it say? The scripture is there, right there in page one. It says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it but I found none. Amen. 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 Now who is speaking here? Almighty God. <clears throat> God spoke up all, yeah, God, God, God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel. So Ezekiel was prophesying to the people of Israel and this was the prophecy. The prophecy said I sought that God speaking. He said, I, the Lord, I sought for a man among them, among the people that I should, that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. 
that I should not destroy it. But I found now. Now, why would God want to destroy the land? Think about it. The land that he has made, why would he want to destroy it? If the sin becomes so much, God has no option but to destroy the people. He destroys the people not because he hates the people, but because he hates sin. And sin is now, as it were, dwelling in the people. So he has no option but to destroy them. So here God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel and Ezekiel prophesied and said, this is what God is saying, that God is saying, look, I am thinking about destroying the land. But it's not my wish. It's not my desire. It's not what I really, I'm not excited about it. It's not like God pops up a champagne because yeah, tell him we have, we have destroyed the people. He's very happy. No. He wishes that he wouldn't have to do that. But it's because of the degree of sin in the land. And God said, I'm forced to do this because I was looking for just a man. Say a man. Not men. A man. One man. Just one person. But if I found just one person in the land, he says, that would make up the hedge. The word hedge is the same word like a wall. That would make up a hedge and stand in the gap Before me, for the land. I'm looking for just a man. Just one man. Look, sometimes and many a time, God does not need people to change his mind. He just needs one man. One man. In the days of Abraham, when Abraham was talking to God about Sodom and Gomorrah. He, he negotiated and at the point he said, if you find just one person, will you destroy the land? And God said, if I just, if I get just one righteous soul, I'll spare the land. Now, if God finds just one man, he can spare the land. But not just one righteous man, but one man that will stand in the gap. To stand in the gap is to fill up a position of intercession. The word intercession means to come between. So I'm looking for a man that will stand before me. So, so God is here. The land is here. And God says, if I get somebody who will come and stand before, between the land and I, I will not destroy it. But I found none, unfortunately. So I checked, I searched everywhere. I found none. I didn't get it in one soul. Now, the question we are asking is, why will Almighty God, a powerful God, a God who can do everything, why would he need a man? Why would God need a man? If God is that mighty and powerful, why does he need a frail, weak, soft, sinful man like you and I? 
what can I do that God can do without me? How important am I to him? He can just do this and I'm gone. And he can do this and I'm back. So in effect, what's my use? What's your use? But even though God is that mighty and powerful and strong, and you and I are nothing, there is still something that God wants us to do for him. So in the book, as we advance, in the book, page two, those of you who have the book in page two, there is an interesting story there. The story is the lion and the mouse. Do you have mice in Namibia? Really? Rodents. Good. So the lion and the mouse. Obviously, you know, the lion is a strong animal. And the mouse is a very weak animal. So one day in the bush, the lion caught the mouse. And when he caught the mouse, you know, the mouse is very weak. I don't know why women are afraid of things like that. And yesterday I got home and my girls were just jumping around. And I said, what's the problem? So they said, grasshopper. I said, grasshopper. grasshopper. I said, no. I said, grasshopper. If there is a mouse in the house, you, you would think maybe a lion has come. So, so I wonder, you are not afraid of this big man with the pot belly, but you are afraid of this small gra- uh, mouse in the house. <laughs> Mercy. Anyway, so there was a mouse and the lion, and the lion caught the mouse and said, I'll eat you up for lunch. So the, so the mouse began to pray and beg the lion that, Brother Lion, don't eat me. The lion said, I'll eat you. I'll be hungry for years, for, for days. I need to eat. And the mouse said, Don't eat me because you see my size. Even if you eat me, you'll not be full. So you leave me, you spare me. It's a waste. And the lion said, no, if I eat you, it will reduce the hunger pants a bit. So, I'm going to eat you up. And the mouse kept begging and said, okay, even if you eat me up, it will still not make any difference. So, you spare my life. Don't eat me up. I promise you that maybe one day I can help you. And the lion was like, ah, you. This mouse. In what way? Can you help me? But as he kept thinking about it, the, ah, what's the use of this small mouse? I mean, why the has Okay, let me leave him. But he didn't think that there's a way the mouse can help him. But just left him. And he says, even if the mouse goes, I can run after him and kill him again. So he released the, the mouse and the mouse ran away. After some few days, there was a hunter who set up a trap of a net and to catch some good meat. But fortunately or unfortunately, this lion got trapped by that trap. And so 
he was in the net. And you know, a net is a very simple object, but don't underrate it. It can just trap your life. So this lion found himself in the net, trapped. Trapped in the net. Like joke, like joke, he couldn't come out. And hey, he now felt that, look, he's... Have you have you been there when maybe you are in the bathroom and the and the and the door handle trapped and you got I mean you got trapped inside? Look, even though you are in your house, you don't feel comfortable. <laughs> you don't feel comfortable. So the lion could see people passing around and everything, but yet, so he began to roar, and as he kept roaring. All the animals in the bush began to be angry, like afraid. But what's happening? Then the mouse heard about, heard the lion roar. So he went where the lion was. And he found out that, hey, Mr. Lion, the man who said he's the king of kings and the lord of lords, there he finds himself trapped in a net. But the mouse was a Christian. He, he had read the, the book, Those Who Forget. <laughs> so he said, no, I won't forget. This man, he held me. He spared my life. So he told the lion that, remember what I said, that if you spare my life, maybe one day I, I can help you. And the lion said, what can you do? I'm trapped here. And he said, no problem. So the mouse began to chew the fibers of the net. And to the lion's surprise, the net was opening up. Bit by bit, one by one. The mouse chewed all the fibers of this net and the lion came out. The lion was shocked that this thing that he could have eaten has now become his major salvation. And that's how it is that almighty God is almighty, he's so powerful, he's so great. But you know, there are things that he needs to accomplish through weak people like you and I. Weak people. Almost useless to him. And yet there are great things that just by your contribution... It perfects the will of God on earth. So much so that the earth is not destroyed. Now, what are some of the things? The first thing that I want to talk about, maybe for this morning only, is that, Lord, I know you need somebody who will go in between God and men. I know you need somebody who will go between God and men. Now, all through the Bible, you will see that God is always looking for men that will stand before, that will stand between him and the people. All through. All through. Always. God is in the business of looking for men. Now, don't think far. Let's just look around us. I don't know where you are coming from. But I think my guess may be right. That as you are here today in church, your entire family, many of the people 
may be in church, but they're not on their way to heaven. Many of them are not born again. They may be sitting in churches. Some may not even be in church at all. I mean, at a point, I came from a family that on a Sunday, Sunday and Monday, there's no difference. Nobody goes to church. Nobody is saved. But when God saves you, your salvation is not just for you alone. It's because God needs you to be able to use you for others. Sometimes you, you, you don't see it until after so many years. The generation of Jumas that are after me, if you are not born again, you are odd. But at the time when I got saved, I was the only Juma saved. And so today I can look back and say that God needed me so that I could stand in the gap between at least me and my family. I was sharing with somebody, I don't know whether it was on Friday or yesterday, that I prayed for my father for 10 years. 10 good years. 10 years because he was the main person who was anti-God, anti-Christianity. You can't, you, 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 can't, you, you can't operate like this. You can't be born again. You can't be, and, and it's like, what is wrong with being born again? I stopped my sister from getting saved. So when I got saved, for years I was hiding. But I kept praying for him. And after 10 years, he himself became born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm happy that he was even active in his church before he died. So, Lord, I know you need somebody. Why? Because God is looking for somebody that will stand between, that will come, that will go in between him and men. And the first group of men is where you are. Your family. You don't think about the world at large even. Just your family. God needs you. So sometimes the price we pay for being Christians, the difficulties, the sufferings, the pain we go through is perhaps for the salvation of many people that are yet to come. Many people, many people, many people. But God needs just a man. So when one person gets saved in any place, look, it's a major thing. It's a major thing. It's a major thing. Major. And for God to change, for God to save any group of people, whether it's families, communities, nations, whatever, he just needs one man. I don't know how things were 100 years ago, but maybe even 200 years ago, or 300 years ago, there were perhaps no Christianity in Namibia. What our fathers, 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 fathers were doing. What were they doing? Holy fire, holy water, holy oil, all holy things, but they were, but they were unholy. Worshippers of trees, worshippers of rivers, worshippers of ancestors. Now, how 
did the nation get changed? God sent men or sometimes a man, a missionary or missionaries that came and it's like for the salvation of the continent, for the salvation of the nation, for the salvation of the city, for the salvation of the towns, God would always need a man. God can't come. And say, you know what? You know me. I am Mr. God, okay? And I'm preaching. And I'm telling you that be safe. No. God will need a man to save a nation. To save any group of people. All the times I sought for a man. Now, when God says I sought for a man, to me, the word man is the most important thing because usually when you say you want to do something and you are depending on people, nothing gets done. Because everybody thinks that somebody else will do it. And at the end of the day, nothing gets done. So sometimes you have to just say, I just need one person. And who will be that one person? In the same way, when God wants to save or when God, God is about to affect any group of people, he says, look, I just need one person. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Maybe in, in your workplace, you are that man that God has sent there. Oh, yeah. Maybe you are. Never think about any new person that God is going to bring anywhere when you are there. You are that man that God is depending on to do great things. Amen. We'll end with the second point. Second point says, Lord, I know you need somebody who will help the people of God. In 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 23 to 27, there's a story there. It's, it's, um, where you go, you can read it, but I'll probably just read the verse 26. It says, For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel, that it was very bitter. It was very bitter, for there was not any shut up, nor any left, nor any helper for Israel. There was no helper for Israel. There was no helper for the people of God. So God is looking for somebody that will help the people. People need the Lord. People need help. People need a little help to get his life together. There is no exception to this reality. If you are part of this world, you will one day need help. You'll be very glad that there is somebody who can help you every step of the way. You'll be glad that there'll be somebody who understands your problem. You'll be happy that there will be somebody who can help you climb out of the hole where you have fallen. You'll be happy to have somebody who help you to climb down safely from the mountain where you are stuck. Will you be the somebody who is sent to help someone? Lord, I know you need somebody to help the people of God. You can use me. Now, that you are a child of God does not make you problem free. At least not here. 
but on earth. When we get to heaven, the Bible says there are no curses there. But whilst we are here, we live on a planet full of problems. So whether you're born again or not, you need help here. Now, God is not just interested in the whole world only, but he's also concerned about his people. About his people. And how will God help his people? God would need somebody to help his people to come out of their difficulties, to come out of their struggles, to come out of their pain, to come out of every kind of human problem that ever exists. You know, when we come to church, I, 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 church is quite an interesting place, okay, because you know, when you look at just people in church, you can easily think that these are uh, uh, perfect people. Problem-free people. The way we sing, the way we worship, the way we pray, the way we dress, the way we say hallelujah, the way we, you know, it's like, these are goody, 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 goodies. Goody, goody, goodies. It's like, so sometimes, when you sit with somebody, you can easily make a mistake and think that this person, he doesn't have the problem I have. Oh yeah. He doesn't know what I'm going through. But I tell you, if God were to open the person's head so that you just see 10% of the problems he or she is carrying, you say, hey, I think I'm better. Mm, I think, I think, Lord, I'm grateful for, I, I didn't know you are carrying such a problem. I'm happy where I am. The truth is that Every person, whether you are saved or not, as long as you are within humanity and you are in this world, you become bad with problems. But God doesn't want us to just sit there in our problems. He, he, he wants somebody that he can use to help. To help. God will never come and say, you know what? I know you are going through a marital problem and I've come to help you. He would use somebody. A human being. God will come and say, you know, I know you are going through a financial problem and therefore I have come to help you. He would use somebody. God will say, look, I know you are going through all types of crisis. Accommodation problems and all that. And I have come to help you. Yes, he will, but he would use somebody. So, Lord, I know you need somebody that will help his people. Now, who is that somebody? It's you. It's you. You have to live your life as a Christian with the thinking that God can depend on me. God can depend on me. Look, it's not like, Lord, use me everywhere. But you are saying that, Lord, in case you need somebody to use to be a blessing in somebody's life, I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. Sometimes the prayers people pray, you are the answer. 
Oh, yes. You are the answer. Practically. You are the answer. You are the answer to help. One day somebody was going for a job interview. The person called me. Very critical one. I didn't know anything about the interview the person was going. But I just asked a simple question. I asked him, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? Then he mentioned something. I said, oh, I don't think you should, you should wear this. I said, well, take off the tie. So take off the tie. And change the color of the suit. I just to go through the... Look, just that thing I told because just about appearance, presentation. That one, prayer and fasting, it doesn't solve it. <laughs> As you know, somebody who has a bit of an idea about what appearance communicates, it's just all that you needed. Besides the knowledge. Because you may have to buy, when we look at your green trousers and red shirts and yellow jackets, it's the ah. Are we, are you, are you, are we, are we, are we recruiting comedians here? Even though you have first class. But the way you appear, everybody looks at you and says, hey, what's happening here? Help. 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 Help that God wants to help his people. But God will not come down physically. So, Lord, I know you need somebody that will help your people. And you ask that, Lord, I'm the one. I'm available. So, you can see right from the word go that God Almighty here is big. But to make his work on earth practical, he would always need a human being. But he can't force you. Mm, God cannot force anybody to do anything. Even when he gave his word to a prophet like Jonah, he couldn't force him. Jonah took a ship and went to Tarshish, another direction. But may you not be like Jonah. May you say that, Lord, I'm available. You can't depend on me. You can't depend on me. You can't depend on me. Can God depend on you to preach? Oh yes, say Lord. I may not be able to preach like Paul, but whatever you do, I miss the verse sometimes. You can depend on me. You can depend on me. You know, the reason why sometimes God uses very strange characters is because the good characters, the perfectos, they are saying, Lord, you can't depend on me. You cannot. <laughs> you cannot. Mm, you, 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 no, no, you, you, you cannot depend on me. You cannot depend on me. My child can depend on me. My wife can depend on me. My boss can depend on me. But you, God, you cannot depend on me. So God is left with nothing. What to go for? The things that we complain about. From today, stop complaining about people and say that, Lord, I'm also available. You can depend on me. Stand to your feet. Let's close. Wonderful. Beautiful.
Hallelujah. Lord, I know you need somebody. And say, I am that somebody. Good. So we'll continue next week. Today we're just doing the ice breaking. Let's pray. Father, we pray, pray for yourself that God would be able to use you in any way. Father, we pray for ourselves as we bring this meeting to an end. I pray that you would use us. Use us. Help us. Help us. Help us. We avail ourselves in any little way that we'll be able to stand before you and the land. That we'll be able to become people that would help your people. Use us. Use us. Use us, oh God. Whichever way you desire. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Father, I pray your blessing into our lives as we make our lives available for your use. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit Bishop Andy Juma podcast channel for more messages and the Precious Souls Church social media pages for more information on upcoming events and so much more. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages weekly. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind.